Oh, he was at Redemption City um, several years ago. But Chris is a church planner. He's a pastor. He's an entrepreneur. Started coffee shops. I think your most recent project is a commercial plumbing business, right? So lots of different things going on in your repertoire. Just graduated from Western with a master's in Christian studies. And so just graduated yesterday, made his way all the way out from L.A. (laughs) And wanted to come hang out with us today. And when I said, hey, how about preaching? He was like, I'm down, man. Let's do it. And so Chris has been a... Obviously, he's, he's got a lot of talent. He's been doing a lot of exciting things. Um, he loves L.A. Ask him about that city. He was here for a couple months, and, you know, his family hardly could make it through the Michigan winters and all. They were ready to get back to those warmer climbs. But, but for me, Chris came at a pivotal season in Redemption City Church. Some of you guys know uh, where I was really struggling, burned out, you know, was ready to, like, quit. And, I mean, it was just one of those moments in the life of the church where God just sovereignly brought this other pastor into my life to encourage me to walk me through that season and say, hey, you need to get some time off. Take a sabbatical. You're burned out. Here's what you should read. Here's some of the things you should study. Um, encourage me. Just said, man, God has got his hand on this church and on your life. And so, man, I got a very, I got a lot of love for Chris and his family. It was great catching up with them last night over dinner. But God has brought some just incredible people into the life of our church. Chris is one of those guys that came at just that right season to speak just the right words of encouragement so that we could keep cruising. And now God's using him in lots of cool ways out in L.A. But I'm just, I'm just super pumped to have you come preach the word. Chris's, unbeknownst to him, is kicking off our series on the seven deadly sins. So <laughs> good luck, Chris, with, uh, with starting this whole series off. He just happened to come at the beginning. I'm like, you just pick your favorite deadly sin and, and, uh, and give it to us this morning. And we're, we're going to love it. So thank you, Chris, man. I'm just so excited to be able to get the week off to hang out with some other pastors and then get to hang out with you last night. So my heart is full already, but really stoked to hear what God has got to bring through you. So thank you, man. All right. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, it's on. I see a, I see a red, red light, so I'm like a little nervous. Sometimes red lights mean uh, stop. <laughs> they also mean the battery's about to die. So. But I don't know about this one. You know, there's different, different, different mics for different places, you know, so it's, it's a little different. Man, yeah, it is definitely good to be here with you guys, man. Um, I was telling my wife uh, when, we, when we got here, man, it's just, it's, man, just to see the life in this place and just to see, man, there's, there's my, I think Mike, uh, uh, Pastor Mike got to share uh, 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 some, uh, like, just, just kind of like the iceberg of the, the, the story, you know, there's so much more to that, uh, but being able to just be here and just, uh, just see you guys here and just see this church thriving and, and to see your pastor just thriving, um, it's, it's really an honor, it's really an honor, uh, it's, uh, you know, this the Jesus life, right? Like the life with Jesus, the walk with Jesus is a journey. Uh, so many times when we, when, we, when, we, we, uh, when we maybe tell people about Jesus or, or maybe when we encounter Jesus, sometimes we see it as like a destination. 
right? Like, all right, we're going we're gonna to come, we're going to meet Jesus, we're going to follow him, we're going to give our life to him, and then we've, like, we've like arrived at this destination. And sometimes that kind of ruins, like, ruins some things for us because we present some expect, we get some expectations that, that come up, and then you arrive at the destination, and you get, like, weird people around you, you know, who, like, who have, like, weird different, like, personalities, and you're like, you don't like everybody, you know, it's awkward, not everything that you thought was going to happen has happened, you know what I mean? And you're like, man, something's up. Maybe there's something wrong with God. Maybe there's something wrong with my faith. And really, there's not. It's just that the Jesus life is, is not a destination. It's a journey, right? It's a journey growing closer to Jesus, walking with him day after day, time after time again, through the ups and downs of, 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 of the life that we live with a, with a vision and a hope of the time when, when God is going to come and make all things new, and then like the people around you won't be weird anymore. So... Uh, or maybe they will. I don't know. That's just my, you know, that's just my assumption. <laughs> and so uh, um, with that, let me pray. Yeah, Mike didn't tell me I was kicking off this series. Um, uh, so, so I guess I'll just kick it off. You know? <laughs> so uh, let me kick it off by praying because I need some help. Uh, uh, Jesus, I come before you and I thank you. Um, I thank you for what you have done. Uh, I thank you, God, that we that we we sit here and we and we uh, as uh, we 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 see this bread and this this wine, Lord, and we think of like the fact that you you broke yourself for us and you gave yourself to us, and um, I, I just I, it, I, I I'm so honored to just stand up here, even just to look at that as I'm looking at your people, reminding them uh, of how much that matters. Um, and so, uh, King Jesus, would you be glorified? Um, Father, would you, help, uh, would you help us see you? Would you show us a little bit of you today? Um, would, you, uh, would you bring us uh, even deeper into your presence? Um, we need you, uh, good, good God. We need you. Um, and Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd help me. Would you just empower me? Would you um, bring words um, uh, to my mind that would just uh, uh, that would that would just come out of my lips, Lord. That would just be edifying to your body. That would that would build up the body of Christ to faithfulness, Lord. That would uh, bring healing and hope and 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 correction and love and 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 all the things that you want to give us as a good dad. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, would you help us? We need you uh, in this time. Um, we love you, uh, and it's in Jesus' name and because of you, Jesus, that we get to even just sit here. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so, um, so man, Mike, Mike, uh, Pastor Mike asked me, uh, uh, he said he was kicking off this series on the seven deadly sins. You know, that's like, I'll just tell you, uh, uh, it's really cruel for uh, pastors when you come preach at their church to like, to like join, uh, have you join in their series, you know what I mean? You're like, yo, can I just preach on something already preached? Like, oh man, here we go. I gotta, I gotta come with this, right? Like it's, and they, sometimes you're like, man, I don't know, this is a lot, you know, in, in uh, this series uh, particular, I'm like the seven deadly sins or uh, another, uh, another way that they're, 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 they're uh, called sometimes are like the seven deadly vices, right? And uh, so he's like, hey, will you, will you do this? And I was like, I, I don't know if I want to like do that because then I have to think about uh, uh, myself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to process this. You know, like I don't want to work through some of this stuff. You know, it's it's really easy just to keep on going and kind of doing what I'm doing and not process this. And so the beauty of the cruelty is that it forces you to actually enter in the process of discipleship, even as a preacher and a teacher of God's word. And so um, when he asked me, he said, "Hey man, uh, which which is your favorite?" I'm like, I don't really have a favorite. Uh, <coughs> Deadly sin. I don't. 
uh, uh, deadly things I don't like too much, you know what I mean? I'm not fond of sins, you know, but if you ask me which one I probably should preach on, uh, I think I should probably preach on um, the, the, the sin or the vice of gluttony. Um, I was like, man, this is, this is one that, uh, that, 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 that resonates uh, with me really well. And it's, it's, I'm like, man, it's, isn't it fitting um, that I get to preach on the, 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 the vice or the, the sin of gluttony while I'm on vacation? I feel like that's even more unfair. <laughs> That's even more unfair. Like this morning, as I was cleaning out my Airbnb and throwing away a bunch of leftovers, I was like, I'm terrible. Like, this is rough. You know, like, I got to go and preach right now. And I was like, there's like boxes of like leftovers. Like, and I'm just like, oh man, this is nuts. All right, here we go. Uh, so, um, so with that, uh, I get to talk about the, 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 the sin or the, the vice of gluttony. Um, and here's my hope, man. Here's Here's my hope. When I thought about this and I was praying through it, um, and, and maybe uh, 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 I didn't ask Mike if I, should, I could say this, but I know he loves me, so I'll just say it, and he could tell me, I could tell him sorry later if anything. But, but maybe, a way to, um, um, maybe a way to approach, right, like the seven deadly sins or the seven deadly vices, um, <clears throat> and at least how I want to approach uh, gluttony today is, is, is maybe a, a healthy way to approach this is to, to give you a vision of a father who wants to look out for you. Like, like my, 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 my heart is that I could give you just a vision of a dad who's got your back. You know, when I think about my kids, man, and I think about the things that, 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 they, uh, that they get into, and I think about, like, when I watch, when I, like, when I see, like, man, hey, hey you, might, you might be headed down a bad path here. Like, my, my, my desire isn't to, like, to like, like, just lash out at them, you know? Like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say I don't at times, you know? But, like, my desire is not to do that. My desire is not to, to shame my kids. My desire is not to make them feel like crap. Like, my desire is not to hurt them. My desire is to look out for them. Like, like a, like a, like a, not only like a dad who like when my kid's like, man, I'm, he's about to run in the, in the street and there's cars coming. I'm like, no son, hold up. Like, I I love you. I don't want you to run in the street and get hit by a car. You know what I mean? Like when I have friends and I see them going down paths, I'm like, like my desire is to like look out for them, right? Like, like I want to, I want to protect them. I want, I I want them, I want to have their best interest in mind. I, I love them. I love my wife. I love my kids. And I, and I pray that, that, that they love me, you know, but like, and, and I have friends and, 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 and pastors and leaders in my life at times who, who, who speak into my life, who, who can help me, man. Like, like the, the purpose of the, like, of, of like really us gathering as, like the communion the community of Jesus as the the assembly of God the reason that we are here is to watch out for each other like to have each other's back to support one another like and we as as we pursue our father who loves us and has our best interest in mind and so when we talk about like like sin right when we talk about like the deadly sins we need to like frame this right like like and I, and I pray that even today even right now I pray lord help us lord Help us to frame this as really a good dad who wants to look out for you. Like you got a father who loves you. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're, uh, uh, maybe you're a, a little bit older and you're, and you're used to being a, a, a mother or a father and a parent and you forgot what it was like to be parented. Like I, I, I pray that, that you can see that, that as we address um, some deep things uh, and we address uh, the, 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 uh, the deadly sins, Right, we would see it from the perspective as a from a father who loves us, and the reason I want I, I want to address it that way is because I think often 
when, when, when we talk about sin and when we talk about vices, right, our vision of God kind of gets wonky, right? Like, like, we, like it, it kind of gets wonky and we, we start feeling beat down and, and not looked out for. We start hearing like, man, you suck. Right, like, like sometimes I, recently I've been praying and processing and just in my studies, and I've been and 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 I've been actually like starting to look at the commandments of God more like invitations uh, than like like these like these like rigid demands. And not that God and I want to I want to preface that by saying not that they're not expectations that God has for me, not that there's not warning in that, not that there's not like not like like severity in it. But what, I, what, I've been, what I've been learning in my experience with God is, I, is, I, is I'm beginning to see them more as invitations. Like God's inviting me into greater hope. God's inviting me into greater healing. God's inviting me into greater life. And he's warning me and he's saying, son, like the reason I'm, I'm, I'm so serious about this is because I want the best for you. I love you. I got, I got your back. I know what you need. I'm for you. And if you go down this route, you're going to destroy yourself. And so, so, so I've been learning to see this. Like, God, man, like God, I'm, I'm, I, I want what's best for you. But I'm, 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 I'm sure, and, and I'm sure in my experience and in some of your experiences that when we talk about sin and we talk about vices, there's something in us that probably why I'm like, I'm accusing Mike of being cruel for having me preach on it, right? Like, there's something in us that's like, ugh, like, 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 all right, cool. Like, I, I want to talk about that almost like disassociated from myself. Like, we can, we can disassociate. Can we, we can talk about other people's stuff. But, like, the moment you start, it, it's why we get defensive when people are like, hey, man, I got something, I got something to tell you, right? And often, sometimes we, we as, as believers and Christians, we have picked up unhealthy habits. We have picked up unhealthy um, ways of, of, of viewing people. And, and, and we see people, they're struggling with sin or they're, they're, they're processing things and they're fighting and they're wrestling, right? And we're like, man, yeah, yeah, they're just tripping. Yeah, they're out the foot. Man, you, you know those people over there. We gossip about them. We talk bad about them. We don't, we're not gracious with them. Like, we don't, we're not there for people. Like, we see people who are struggling. We're like, I don't want none of that. I don't want none of that. And I think it causes us to not actually hear the invitation of God to heal. I think we actually don't deal with our own stuff because we're afraid of what's going to happen when this stuff comes out. But what if we had the vision of a father who's got our back? What if we had a vision like, what if we had a vision of a dad, like I was telling you, who's like, son, daughter, I love you. I got you. It's okay. I want to guide you. I want to protect you. I want your best in mind. Maybe you're like me and you didn't have a good vision of a father. Maybe my dad was a heroin addict. He was on drugs. He was homeless. He was out in my house. My stepdad was abusive and he was an alcoholic. He talked down to me. He beat me down every time I did something, right? And so what I, what I heard, when I, when I received from God, sometimes I have this, this like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm afraid. Like, 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 I don't trust you sometimes. You know what I mean? But, there, but I'm, I suspect there's something in your soul like there is in mine that cries out for a healthy dad. There's something that, ha- there's a remnant, there's something that, there's something of, of our making, there's something of, 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 of the, the innate, like, like the innate God that created us, that just dwells in us, that cries out to like, like we know what a father is. 
We long for that father. There's something in there. There's that dad that we maybe never had or that dad that we have a great vision of that's there. And it's that God, it's that father who's presenting us the things that we should stay away from for our good. And it's his voice that I want you to hear today. Are we clear there? You guys got that? Like you down for that? Yeah, you go, doesn't that sound good? Like, I want to hear his voice. I want to hear the voice of my, I wish, I wish my dad, I could hear my dad's voice in a loving way who says, son, I got you. It's my prayer for us today. With that, <clears throat> I don't have, I don't have too much, right? I don't have too much, but I think I have enough. So on gluttony, what is, what is, what is gluttony? When I, when I thought of how do I, how do I kind of introduce this subject, how do I bring up this topic, it brought me back to a, 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 this interesting take by a, a, a preacher, um, uh, I don't know, maybe a decade back who's not too popular anymore, probably for good reasons, um, who was confronted on drinking alcohol uh, and his response to it. There was this preacher who was... Who, uh, who was known for his, his, his celebration of his liberties in drinking uh, alcohol and partaking, right? And he was confronted on this. And uh, he was confronted by a, a, a kind of overweight man. Um, uh, and uh, he, he said to them, his response on his, confront, on, on his confrontation was, I'll stop drinking alcohol when you stop eating gravy. I'll stop drinking alcohol when you stop eating gravy, does anybody in here know that comment? Remember that? You don't know? You remember that one? <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I'll stop drinking alcohol when you stop eating gravy. When I think about that, uh, when I think about that comment, at a first glance, it's it's just full of arrogance, right? It's deflective. It's 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 foolish. It, 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 it's, it's really, it's just arrogant, right? Like, it's just an arrogant comment. Like, that's not the way you want to respond, right? You know what I mean? Like, if my wife tells me something and I'm like, yo, I'll stop, you know? Like, you just don't want to respond that way. It's not going to go well for you. You know what I mean? And so when you read it, when you, when you hear that comment, at first glance, it's deflective and it's foolish. But when you take a closer look at his comment... It's actual, it's actually insightful and revealing. It's actually a very insightful and revealing comment. And here's why it's insightful. <clears throat> it's insightful because it, it, it's insightful because it shows us how the sin or the vice of gluttony is so often overlooked. It's insightful because it, what he's pointing out is the hypocrisy in the person calling him out. He's pointing out like, like, yeah, you want to talk about my alcohol drinking, you want to talk about this, but look at you, man, you just eat all the time and you ain't tripping. Like, and if you think about it, like, like how many of us are like, man, you know what? I struggle with gluttony, right? Like, I, I'm a glutton, you know what I mean? Like, I, I struggle, like I'm controlled by food. You know what I mean? I'm controlled by my flesh, right? It's insightful, and it's, it's insightful because he is pointing out a hypocrisy in Christian culture. 
Like, man, you just think about, like, Southern Christians, what they're known for. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, uh, you know, there's something interesting here, you know? Or you think of, like, you think of, like, highly, like, 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 highly, uh, um, highly arrived Christians on, like, you know what I mean? In more, like, progressive areas who, like, are just infatuated with what they eat. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, there's this, there's this, there's this, it's like food is not something that we talk about. Or the, 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 the way that food, that our relationship with food um, exists is not something that we talk about as something that's even deadly and dangerous. Food, is, uh, 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 food and gluttony and the way our relationship with it is often overlooked. It's an overlooked vice. And so when he says, I'll stop drinking alcohol when you stop drinking gravy, he's deflecting by presenting a double standard. And so in that way, it's insightful. But it's also revealing. And I think it's revealing because it reveals that the sin of gluttony or the vice of gluttony is also one of the least understood vices. Right? We think of gluttony and we think of people who are overweight. We think of gluttony and, we, and there's a person who comes to mind. We think of gluttony, and, and if you think, and we, we, we hear that word, and, we're, and, and you might be like 110 pounds and, and lanky, and you're like, I'm not a glutton. And it's very easy to pass off the sin of gluttony on those other people who might not look physically in the, in, in the way that, um, that you look, right? Or they might, they, might, they might not fit the description of what the caricature of a glutton that we have in our mind. What do you think of when you hear the word? When you think of the word glutton, what do you think of? I'm, I'm pretty sure, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that a good majority of, a, a majority of us think of some of the very similar things that this, this, this arrogant and foolish preacher did at that same time. I'm sure that the caricatures that are in front of us, we have those same caricatures in our mind. We have those same images of our minds, many of us, on what gluttony is. And maybe, or maybe you're here today and you just, you're like, I don't know. Well, I think a more helpful understanding can be derived from a classic passage in Proverbs, which, uh, talking about the subject, which is quite likely advice from a father to his son. And we're, it's in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 1 through 8. And here's what it says. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you. And put a knife to your throat if you have a big appetite. Do not desire the ruler's delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Be wise enough to desist. When your eyes light upon it, it is gone, for suddenly it takes wings to itself, flying like an eagle towards heaven. Do not eat the bread of the stingy. Do not desire their delicacies. For like a hair in, the, in their throat, so are they. Eat and drink, they say to you, but they don't mean it. You will vomit up the little you have eaten 
and you will waste your pleasant words. You will waste your pleasant words. So what is this, what is this passage talking about? It, 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 it says, man, when you sit down before a ruler, what does this ruler present you with? The ruler presents you with all of these fine delicacies. It's like, don't be tempted. Like, there is something he's bringing up. The author of this passage right here is bringing up the temptation of that delicacies that are presented before you are uh, how it can cause you to compromise. And he's saying, put a knife to your throat if you're tempted. Have you ever heard the phrase wine and dine, right? There is something about whining and dining that, 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 lowers, the, that lowers a person's uh, ability to reason. The, the author of this passage is saying, hey, when you sit down, this is the, this is the door to your compromise, the author is saying that the delicacies that are presented before you are the door to your compromise. More plainly said, John Cassian, who's, a, who's a, one of the early church fathers, calls gluttony the first vice we must conquer and speaks of it more like a, like a crevice in a wall or a crack in a foundation. He says, it's, he says, before you get to all the other vices, before you get to lust and greed and, and pride and, and envy, before you get to, to malice and wrath and you get to these other vices that, 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 that really control us, it starts with the stomach. He says, if you can't control the stomach, the rest of the things around you are going to, going to easily take over. He, he speaks of it as like a crack in a foundation or a crevice in a wall that's protecting your camp. When I was, uh, when I was in a, um, when I was growing up and I was, uh, I was in the streets, man, I grew up, um, in a gang and man, we used to, we used to hang out on, on, on certain streets and we, and, and one of the things that, that we used to do is we'd like have lookouts for the cops, right? Like, we like there was there's just like you could always tell what the cop car looked like because if you like bent down and you like blocked their lights you could see the top of the car you know what i mean so like you always knew and so we had this we had this uh this horseshoe which was like the street that we hung out on like one of the major blocks from the gang that i hung out on there was a horseshoe so it was one street it's like it's called Friar, so it's like Friar, Truth, and Sylvan. There's these like three streets, and then it comes out. And so we had it locked down. Like we had people on this corner and people on this corner. We could see the cops coming from either way. And so we thought it'd be slick because right behind us there was this massive apartment building, right? And so we so and they had this chain link fence. And so we thought it'd be smart to cut a bunch of holes in the chain link fence. So I got, I got these bolt cutters, and I remember this day, I was like, man, they're never going to catch us. So I caught like bolt, I cut, cut like 20 holes in the, in the fence, right? And so what that would do is if the cops were coming, we could run through the holes, but, and by the time they got there, we were away, right? It was a, we, we had the perfect scenario to get away. And I remember that that same night, someone must have called the cops on us for, they probably saw me in broad daylight cutting holes in fences, which probably wasn't the smartest move, you know what I mean? But when I'm 17, what are you going to do? You know, you don't, you're not too smart all the time. So I'm cutting holes in the fences, and I remember sitting there, <clears throat> I remember sitting there, and we were like, there was like 30 of us on this, on this major uh, block that we hung out on, and all of a sudden we heard like, keys, right? 
And we're like, man, like something's up. And, th- and, and before we knew it, through the holes that we cut, the LAPD was coming through. And so they had, got, they had caught on to the fact that we cut holes. So rather than coming down the main street, our compromised barrier was already compromised. And they came through the back and they captured us. You know what I mean? They got us. You know, some of us ran and got away, but they caught some of us. You know what I mean? And when I think of like, when I think of a compromised, like a compromised gate, that's, that's, sorry, that's the only, I don't have a positive illustration of that because I came from the streets, (laughs) but it gave me, I feel like the illustration still helps, right? When we have compromised gates, what's happening is we're giving, we're giving crevices for the enemy, which for me at that time was LAPD, right? To come through our compromised fence to, to capture us. And what and what he what he's speaking of here, what John Cassian speaks of here, and and what the passage speaks of here, is it's that the, it's the delicacies of the world that can it's these delicacies it's the it's the fine dining it's the fine wine it's 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 the it's the wanting what other ha- people have it opens you up to envy and and greed and all the other things to to satisfy yourself that then begins to compromise your protection. And it leaves room for the enemy to come in. He also speaks of it like a, like a, like a cracked foundation. I got a better illustration from you than, than, uh, than my street days, you know what I mean? Maybe one that, makes, that hits more home, right? I remember when we lived out here for the, the dreaded six months that we did, besides Redemption City and Western Theological Seminary, you know, that was good stuff for me. But, but other than that, it was dreadful, you know? Um, but, we, man, we took some trips to Detroit. <clears throat> and and what, I, what, what I noticed, like, man, I was like, man, it's like a war zone here, man. I was like, I didn't know, like, Afghanistan existed in Michigan, you know? Uh, and so we go to, man, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, it looks like buildings are bombed. You guys, have, many of you have seen that, right? You guys are Michiganders, you know? Um, <clears throat> what's it called? So I'm there, and I'm looking, I'm like, and I, and I didn't understand. I'm like, how does, how does this happen? Like, like, okay, I get that people move out, but, like, what I want to know is, like, how do trees grow up in the build? Like, like I mean, I don't know, like, inhabited homes, like, you know, people inhabit homes all the time. Trees aren't growing up in their building, you know, in the middle of their house, you know. And I'm looking at this, and I'm wondering, and I started asking some people questions. And one of the things that they told me, um, and, and if you, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, was that what would happen is, is, is when the winter came, the water pipes would freeze. And then after the winter, they would burst. And then it would start cracking the foundation of the house. And then eventually, they would just start falling apart. Is that true? Did I give good information? Yeah. Yeah, see, I got good information. I got a thought, semi. (laughs) But anyways, here's the thought, though. The thought is, how are these houses falling down, right? These houses are falling down because they're not cared for. They're not protected. And what happens is their, their foundation gets compromised, and over time, they collapse. And when he speaks of the vice or the sin of gluttony, he speaks of it as, as, a, as a collapsed foundation, or, 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 or holes or crevices, holes or crevices in the wall that's there to protect you. He says, if you're driven by your stomach, you're compromised at the core. And so the problem with gluttony is that it compromises you. If you don't know how to tell your stomach no, you're not going to know how to tell greed no. 
If you don't know how to tell your stomach no, you're not going to know how to tell lust no. If, if at the very core, I think one of the, one of the words that's used to describe, describe gluttony in the, in the early languages is nethesh, I think, which is, like, which is like literally like the physical, like your body. Like he's, he said, if you don't know, it's, a, it's translated as gluttony, but he's saying if you don't know how to control the desire, like, like food is at your very basic desire. It's like, it's like the one thing that's at the core of your desire. And so he's saying, man, if you, if you don't learn how to control that basic and tame it, right? If you don't learn how to tame that basic desire, you will be compromised at the core. You will be compromised at the core. And so it's here that any father would speak. If, if I knew that my kids were compromised at the core, I'd warn them strongly against it. If I knew that my kids were compromised at the core or they were in danger of, co- of collapsing to, to become dilapidated houses, right? Like, like I would warn them. I would protect them. I would want to give them the tools to survive. And it's here that our God speaks, especially in light of how gluttony has destroyed many in the past. If you read the the pages of Scripture, you'll see that the sin of Sodom was that Sodom was overfed. Right? We think of Sodom and Gomorrah, and and oftentimes we, our our famous way of thinking them, or our most normal way of thinking them is, 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 as far as like sexuality. But truthfully, when you read the passage, when you read the scriptures and the descriptions of Sodom, it says that the sin of Sodom was that they, their bellies were full. They were overfed. They wanted to, they wanted to eat well. They wanted to, they were, they were whining and dining all the time. They were overfed and they stopped paying attention to the greater matters of life around them. They stopped caring for the people. You know, one of the things that gluttony does is it it produces greed. You don't want to share when you want to partake. Later uh, in chapter 23, verse 20 through 21, we see another example. Do not be uh, among wine uh, bibbers or, or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and the drowsiness will clothe them with rags. <clears throat> the author of this passage talks about how men, he has, he has witness. He's, he's speaking, likely it's a father to his son speaking and saying, Hey son, in my experience, what I know is that, is that those who are, who are constantly just just spending their life partying all the time and eating all the time and, and, and focusing on, on, their, on themselves and their food and their body and what they, and they're, and they're so consumed with themselves. Eventually, they come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe them with rags. The author of the Sirach, which is like an ancient Jewish writing uh, from like the early 400s, right, <laughs> says that overeating brings sickness and nausea, and many have died as a result. But the one who guards against gluttony prolongs their life. You know, one of the things for me, I have, I have um, I'll just confess, like, like, this is my greatest struggle. Like, this is my, like, when, like I'm like, this, this one right here is my, like, like, for me, like, I'm like, I comfort eat. You know what I mean? I comfort eat. Like, like, like I have, have like allergies to like bread, like not like before the gluten-free movement, you know what I mean? When I was a kid, 
<clears throat> I got tests, and they're like, you're allergic to wheat? You know what I mean? Like, that, that little, it actually puffed up. I got a real allergy. You know what I mean? And like, and I don't know how to stop eating bread. Like, I, I still just eat bread because it tastes good. You know, like, like how are you going to take pizza away? Like, that's just rough. You know, it's wrong. You know, I think about it. Like, like sometimes, like, I'll drink way too many cups of coffee or I might have too many glasses of wine. Like, and, and for me, like, I, I was telling my kids, it's like, it's not because, like, I, I want to drink too much. It's more because I enjoy the food, the flavor, and the comfort. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I want to comfort myself when I feel despair. Like for me, gluttony's like it's it's man, and and I've been praying because I have these like I have all these different health issues, man. I got stomach problems and 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 all kinds of digestive issues, and I've been praying. And actually, one of the ways that I I came to the conclusion that God was God's God's commands were an invitation were out of my prayer life. I remember praying like God, like like please, like like man, my dad died from drugs. Like my mom was never around. I look at my kids and I was like, and me and my wife, we pray with our kids all the time. Like God, would you give us long life? Like like one of my greatest desires is to be a grandpa. You know what I mean? Like I want to be like old with my like great grandkids and like like and like surfing with them and like kicking it and like going like doing stuff and like I want to babysit for my kids' kids. You know what I mean? Like I, like I, I want to just like for me, it just sounds like like I want to be like an old man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know why. I just want to, it just seems fun. You know what I mean? And I like pray about that. And I pray. And then I get all these like health issues and I get anxiety. And as I'm praying, and I feel like the Lord has been inviting me. Like, son, you're praying for long life, but are you willing to stop eating bread? You're praying for long life, but are you willing to change your diet? You're praying for long life. Like, like I'm not sitting here telling you, like, like, hey, you got to struggle and you got to suffer. Like, no, he's saying, like, I'm, my invitation is for your good. Like, I love you. And, I, and one of the things that I've learned is that the, the first way you change is to start talking about it, right? And so that's why he's like, what do you want to preach on? I was like, fine, I'll preach on gluttony. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, I, I gotta, you got to get it out. I got to confess it. I got to tell you guys. Like, I struggle with this. You know what I mean? And I read this and I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. Like the medical field tells you, the medical field right now will tell you in all of the science, they will tell you what you eat matters. It will affect your lifespan. And then you read from like 2,000 years ago or 1,800 years ago. And he says, what does he say? Overeating brings sickness. Oh, that's pretty like, huh, you know, it's not modern news, you know, right? And it brings nausea, <laughs> I'm like, man, I get, I was like the other day, I'm like, man, I'm a little nauseous. It's like, well, yeah, maybe because you like stuffed yourself. You know what I mean? And it says many have died as a result. Like perhaps God is not calling me away, away from gluttony because he hates me, but because I'm asking him for long life. Maybe he's trying to give me the things that I want. And my refusal of partaking, my refusal of following him is actually detrimental to the very thing he's trying to give me. But as a good father, he's calling me to not, to not be controlled by my body. And he says the one who guards against gluttony prolongs their life. How many times are you in situations where maybe, maybe you shouldn't be there based on, based on man, it's, it's, man, this party's fun. Like these friends are cool. I want to go kick it in this scenario. Like, man, there's times I'm doing things. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be there. And more dangerously than that, gluttony fixes your gaze on your own desires and deprives the world of the God-given service that you were made for. 
You see, when you're constantly thinking of how you can, how you can, how you can get your next meal, when you're constantly thinking of the party that you're going to have and the, the, the ways that you spend your money are related to yourself, it deprives the, the world of the God-given service that you were called to. When your eyes are focused on you and your physical satisfaction and gratification, it takes your eyes off of God and it takes your eyes off of those who are around you. And ultimately, it leads to your destruction. So how does a vision of a father help us with this vice? You know, this morning, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we ended up at this Airbnb um, uh, in, in Hudsonville, like deep Hudsonville, um, called the Fox Briar. Has anybody ever heard of the Fox Briar? You see, you see, you, 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 have you been there? Twice? Bro! Right? I'm like, how did I get this? Like, how did we stumble on this? You know? And so we ended up in this Airbnb called the Foxbriar. And it's just like this, this, this old renovated home. You know what I mean? Where they just, they did a phenomenal job at, 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 at like just renovating it. Right? <clears throat> um, uh, I probably shouldn't tell you this because it tells you that I finished my sermon this morning. But <clears throat> it's all good. You know? But this morning uh, when I was... Uh, uh, when I was closing up my sermon, um, I'm at the Foxbriar, and, uh, and uh, I gave myself some time. I, I did some study, a little bit more study, and then I was like, I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to just pray for a minute. And I got to walk outside, and it's in the middle of the forest. And, like, right when I got out there, I'm like, I felt like the Lord's like, man, I, I want to speak to you out there, man. So I just walk out there, and I go to listen. And right when I get out there, this beautiful red bird just flies by me. This beautiful red bird. And it just, I don't know what kind of bird it was, and it just sits on this plant, and it just starts nibbling at some plants. And then there's birds everywhere, and there's animals, and I'm looking, and I just got brought, like, like I just got reminded, like, if the Lord feeds the birds of the air, if he clothes the grass, like, aren't you more value? And I'm looking at this bird, and this bird is beautiful, more beautiful than me. You know what I mean? Like, like this bird is phenomenal. Like, it's this great, amazing creature that, our father created, and it's flying around, and it ain't tripping. And, I, and I'm, I bet you, man, it has great worms. You know what I mean? It probably eats the best worms, man. Like, that thing eats the best worms. I know it does. And I was thinking, I felt like the father told me, like, hey, I'm not calling you to a life of, like, just, like, just, like, suffering and suckiness, right? I'm a foodie also. So I'm like, man, I'm a foodie and now I got to tell like, so do I not eat? Like, what do I do? Like, I got to eat rice and, and, or is rice good for me even? Like, what do I got to eat? You know what I mean? I don't even know what to eat anymore. You know, when I was growing up, bread had nutrients. Now it doesn't. You know what I mean? What do I eat? You know, it's confusing. It's overwhelming. And I felt like, man, like, but like, God, can I still eat lavishly? Can I still go to, like, I love, like, one of our, we planned road trips by, like, restaurants. Our kids were talking. I was like, they're like, Dad, uh, is that wrong? I'm like, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, we're on vacation. I'm, like, throwing away food. Like, maybe we, and I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have bought that much food. Anyways, with that, though, but I'm looking at this, 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 <clears throat> this beautiful bird, and I'm seeing all this, and I felt like God's like, you, look, man. I'm not asking you to give up food. I'm asking you to give up your unhealthy relationship with food and let me prepare a table before you in front of your enemies. Let me prepare the table. Let me provide for you. Watch, you're going to eat more lavishly and better than you've ever eaten. Like, I, I got you. But look, here's the thing. If you continue to overindulge and, and, and live, the, you're going you're gonna to kill yourself. 
You know, one of the things I got to do when I moved back from Michigan to L.A. was I started a specialty coffee shop in Los Angeles, right? And so one of my, one of my coffee was like a hobby to me. And like, man, like I traveled all over, like, you know, and then when I got here, the first church I ended up at, like Trevor from Madcap, like was there. And I was like, oh, like that's the homie now, right? And so we're like, we launched a coffee shop in L.A. Like they helped us. We partnered with them for a while, did all stuff. But here's what happened. You know what happened? Like I got all the best coffee in the world and it just became boring, like, it was underwhelming. It's like, now I have all the toys. I could play with all of them. This is fun. Not anymore. And what I'm learning is that God is calling you to, he's not, God doesn't want to take away coffee. He wants me to truly enjoy coffee, but he has to take away my unhealthy relationship with looking to coffee to provide my satisfaction. Right? See, see God, God is, he's, by showing me these birds this morning, I felt like God was saying, I love you more than those birds, and if I take care of them, and they look like they're just having fun, trust, I got you. And then finally, in my prayer, he brought me to the very thing that's in front of us, the bread and wine. Is not food the very thing that God uses to demonstrate his love for us? constantly, week after week, to remind us of him? If, if, if the one very vice that we have, if, if, if food is the one very vice that can take our gaze off of Jesus, food is the very thing that he replaces it with to say, guess what? I will fill you. I will satisfy you. I will do so wholly and fully, not just theoretically and, 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 and esoterically and all these big wordsy, right? Like, I will do it literally and physically in your earthy body. I got you. I will provide for you. I love you in the best possible ways ever. And does not Solomon say, eat, drink, and be merry because your days, the days are evil? And is not the culmination of the ages and the time when we sit with the king for all of eternity, doesn't it begin with a wedding feast? So what I hear from the father, what it, when, when he says, hey, turn away from gluttony, he is not saying, beat yourself down and hate yourself and just eat crackers forever. He's saying, entrust yourself to me. And stop trying to satisfy yourself on your own. Because, when, because what, what your gluttony reveals at the very core is that you truly don't trust me to give you satisfaction. And, and, and I'm not here to shame you for that. I'm here to invite you to be satisfied. And I'll give you the table every week to tell you that. So what is our response our response is to turn away from these things and entrust ourselves to a God that loves us. And finally, I think John Cassian gives us some help. How do we turn away? Um, one of the things that uh, 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 Cassian tells us, John Cassian tells us, is, is, to, to, is to, to, to turn away from gluttony by taking up um, uh, the biblical practice or the, the Christian practice of fasting. Fasting is one of the ways that we learn how to moderate our body. But I think we should do so with Cassian's help. Because one of the things that Cassian notes, and, and this might be even just a helpful, you know, right? Because we can learn all these ideas, but man, sometimes we just need a little bit of help. You know? And I think this, maybe this little shift in your thoughts might even be helpful in helping you. Like for me, fasting's rough. 
right? Like I, I fail every fast. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm like, uh, I need some help, right? But one of the things that Cassian notes is that actually abstaining from food and, and, and denying your body of, for food actually has never really helped. He said it actually produces gluttonous desires even more. And so what he teaches you, one of the things that John Cassian says is learning the practice of not of necessarily denying yourself, but learning the practice of learning how to regulate yourself, learning how to moderate yourself, learning how to, learning how to have, a healthy, have, a, have a healthy relationship with these things. And so maybe it means drinking tea for two weeks instead of coffee, right? Maybe it means skipping that meal. Maybe it, means, maybe it means you don't go out to eat that many times. Maybe it means you eat less on purpose. Maybe it means you take the food that you were going to eat and you give it to your neighbor who has no food, right? John Cassian gives us, he says, hey, he's, he calls us to, hey, one of the ways that we entrust ourselves is by, 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 by entering into a moderate relationship with the material, And the beauty of what that does is as we learn to temper our body, we also learn to temper our spirit and our soul. And so that's the first practice um, that I I, I gathered in this. And the second one is to replace indulgence with love. To replace indulgence with love. It's not enough just to stop doing something. The problem, the problem with, 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 with gluttony is that it, pre, it prefers you over the, your neighbor. And, and one of the greatest ways to overcome this is by preferring your neighbor over yourself. So man, maybe rather than going out to dinner with your family, maybe what you do is you go and, and you take someone else out to dinner. Maybe, maybe rather than, than feeding yourself, you feed somebody else. Maybe rather than going out and eat, you go and call somebody and ask how they're doing. Replace, replace indulgence with love. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in petition. But don't just deny yourself. That's not going to help the scenario at all. And then finally, I think the, 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 the greatest of all three is to hope for the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, my prayer for you is that you would have a vision of God's kingdom that, that, is, 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 that, that brings you a level of confidence that anchors you in the ground. Look, everything here is not going to satisfy, right? Like there, there, are, there, are, there, are, there are things here that, are, that, that, give us, that give us the beginnings of satisfaction, that point to the things that are to come, but there is a time when our king is going to come back, he's going to do away with suffering. He's going to do away with sadness. He's going to do away with pain. He's going to do away with your disappointment and your depression and your father and mother wounds. He's going to do away with, with all of the things. Like, he's going to do away with it. And it says that there's going to be a time when, when heaven and earth will merge and the king of the universe will sit on the throne and there will be righteousness and justice and joy and, and peace and, and, and shalom. The picture is of, of, of complete as it should be. And so, so when, you, when you are tempted to place your desire in the things that are here, hope in, the place that it, hope in the things that are to come and allow that disappointment to just be there to, to, to draw up hope in you. Disappointment isn't things that we're supposed, we're not supposed to just push down disappointment. Disappointment is supposed to tutor us in hope. 
And so my prayer is that you would not turn to satisfying yourself, but instead you would turn to the God who gives you hope, your Father who loves you, who has your back. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for being a good dad. Thank you for having our back. Thank you for being there for us and loving us and, and giving us peace. And uh, thank you, God, for even just giving us yourself week after week the promise that you will satisfy. Help us, Lord. Free us. In your son's, in your son's precious name, amen.